0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Everybody, welcome to Crossroads, and uh, glad to see you this morning. Thank you for uh, being here to worship with us. Um, we're going to dive right in this morning. Um, we started a couple weeks ago a series called Not Just Human, and want you to think about that title. We're drilling in. We're in 2 Corinthians. We're looking at chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. And this morning we're in chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. If you want to find your way there in the Bible, there's a Bible actually in the uh, underneath the underneath the seat in front of you. If you'd like a paper Bible, we really recommend a paper Bible for a lot of reasons today, Um, but we're going to be in those, and I want to be talking this morning about this idea of becoming what we are beholding. Do you realize that we are becoming what we behold? Um, You know what, hand me that, maybe I'll just go with this one, I don't know what the, everybody hear me now? That's better. Um, We are becoming what we behold. You know, um, there's all kinds of things going on right now in our country, some exciting things. Obviously, there's a lot of confusion going on across the board, whether it's politically, whether it's socially, whether it's theologically, philosophically. Um, We are primed for revival, Uh, not just on a national level, but on a very personal level. And what happens, folks, is that... Um, we, and I think we can all relate to this in our walk with Jesus, is that uh, we go through this period, we come to Jesus when we encounter him in a real way, and then somewhere along the way we lose the reality of that. And the world takes over and we move into just a dry time. and uh, Or it could be just a flat out we're running away from him time. And we lose the reality of what the word of God says about us and what the gospel has to say for our life And what God has for us, his love for us, his plans for us, all of his promises for us. And we need a personal revival. We need a reviving. And folks, this is not just more Bible knowledge, though that's important. This is about encountering the Lord Jesus. And I just ask you this morning, where are you this morning when it comes to beholding the glory of your Savior? Beholding is a big word. We saw it earlier here, um, in chapter three. It says we all, with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Um, can you relate to that in a real way? Not just a theological. Not like, oh yeah, that's going to happen when we get to heaven, and you know that's out there. But right now, the reality of my life is different. Um. Revival begins with personal revival and it happens in the midst of God's people being together and it spreads out. It's an awakening of the glory of God. It's an awakening of, he's the treasure. There's nothing more glorious. There's no one who's loved me more, has done more for my heart and for my soul um, than he. Um, and we need a reviving. And, and so I want us to drill in this morning on this idea of becoming what we are beholding. And for Paul, he shares these things. Second Corinthians, we've talked about his most personal letter. And he's writing to this church that he planted. And there's a chasm between them. And he's trying to stir their hearts, right, to his heart again. And set their, their eyes, right, back on, on, uh, on unity, on, on, on his role of, of loving them. And, and these verses we're going to see uh, this morning, we see five things of the result. If we are beholding Jesus... As Paul was beholding him, we're going to see that that should have a serious ramifications for our life in the sense of what we're becoming. And that alone is a big question for us, isn't it? What are we becoming? Are we happy when you look in the mirror of what we are becoming? What kind of person? And again, we're going to see it this morning. Is that more of a focus on what's happening inside or are we just consumed on what's happening on the outside? What we are beholding determines what we are becoming. Um, to set our eyes on him again. And folks, there's some cool stirrings going on. If you've, I'm sure you've heard about it in the news. Uh, and it's happening uh, primarily right now among college campuses. Just a little side note if you haven't heard, but I don't know when it happened, but uh, sometime this last year, maybe before, but they set next Thursday, the 23rd, as a date for um, prayer revival among college campuses in America. And there's thousands of college campuses who are already planning to go 24 hours of prayer for our nation and for just revival and uh, that happened before what happened at Asbury broke out and and uh, with these young folks and uh, i'll come back to this but um us old folks here we should not have revival be all young folks it needs to be all there you go prophet mike speak up and um there needs to be all generations A time where we come together as a family and we realize our eyes have been off the treasure. We've been preoccupied. We need a restoration. We need zeal among 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60, 70, 80, 90. The closer we are, the more zeal we should have, right, For, um, for the kingdom and what God has. And he's our treasure. It should become more real, right, to us and uh so, what we see here is is Paul, and we see in his own life the immediate, powerful, transformational things that are happening in him um, because of him being able to lay hold. Of the glory of Jesus. That Jesus was his treasure. And, and woven in all of this is his own personal encounter with Jesus. Um, if you know the story in the book of Acts, right? Paul, he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was prideful and his own self-righteous. And Jesus met him on that Damascus road in a very powerful way. His light shone, right? If you go read about it in the book of Acts. And Paul, from that moment on, was a different man. A different person. He was a new creation. The light of God. As it says down here in chapter 4, verse 6, it shone out of the darkness of, uh, into the heart of Paul and, and gave him the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And I ask you this morning, have you experienced the light of God? Shining in the depth of your soul, awakening your heart, a real encounter with Jesus. That's salvation. That's salvation. To where you were different. Not not everything changed, but there was something different. You were a new creation after that moment. And folks, just going to church, just being a certain denomination, just calling yourself a Christian, that is not what it is to follow Christ. It's to encounter him in a powerful, very visible, manifest way. And this is what Paul is talking about. It's not some theological thing out there. It's not something just waiting for us in heaven to, oh, that'll happen out there. It is now to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And so I want to read the scripture for us this morning, and then we're going to go back through it and just look at five key things that we can see, and there's a lot of things in here um, that, that should be, that are challenging to us. I hope you'll take these questions and I hope you'll go to the Lord. And, and, and I think what should well up in us is kind of a how. Okay, I, I relate to that. The reality in my life is I am missing this personal encounter, this, this zeal, this, this heart ablaze of knowing Jesus um, and, and loving him and walking with him and realizing his presence in my life and having different desires, all those things. If that reality is not there, I ask you simply this morning to ask God, To make it real. There isn't a thousand to-dos out there. There isn't a whole process. God wants his children's hearts to cry out to him. And just ask. And he'll unleash his spirit. Into our hearts. And that's what it takes if you're here and you're confused. If you're a skeptic, thank you for being here. If you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. If you're just confused, if you're not sure where you're at with Jesus. Maybe you've had a a rough church background. Maybe you just got all kinds of questions. I, I ask you simply to go before God as his word is being read. Open your heart to him. Ask him to reveal himself in a powerful, real way to you very personally in the depth of your heart. This is how this works. No one can do it for you. There's no steps you have to take or accomplish. It is a move of your heart with the power of God, receiving his awesome grace. He promises to come to anyone who genuinely asks for him, to come with the grace of God. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. The surpassing treasure. And let me just break that down a little bit for us here in the context, if you haven't been with us. But the last two chapters is that Paul has gone over in chapter 3 this beautiful story about moving from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law, the glory of the gospel of what God has done right through Jesus. And, um, and it's overwhelmed him, and, and, and he's also overwhelmed that God would make him a minister. We talked about that last week. Do you realize if you know Jesus, you have a ministry? It's not just for those who are, you know, on staff at churches. Anyone who knows Jesus has a ministry. It's been given to you, and we're going to get to it in chapter 5. You are a reconciler. You're an ambassador for Christ. And God has given you a ministry. And this treasure that Paul says he's just overwhelmed that he's been given this ministry to um, preach the grace of God through Jesus Christ, salvation to all, anyone, anywhere, no matter where they've been, is the glory of the gospel right itself. And, and then he, he speaks, as we saw earlier, that he talks about this experience. We all now, because of the gospel, with unveiled faces, there isn't a fog, there isn't the veil that was torn, there isn't like we have to go through all the stuff you read about in the Old Testament, all the religion that throughout time that mankind has put up as tradition in the church as a veil keeping people from the simple, powerful presence of God itself um, and he's overwhelmed and he says we now all behold the glory of the lord that is not something just for heaven that is to be uh, the experience of his children setting our face and our hearts on the glory of jesus and so now he's talking about this treasure and i just ask you this morning man is he your treasure Is here treasure? We have this treasure in jars of clay. I think we can relate to that. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted. In every way, but not crushed, we're perplexed, but not driven to de- despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Listen to this for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal bodies. So death is. At work in us, but life in you. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Because of what's happening in our life, our suffering for the gospel, it is bringing a a, a tidal wave of blessing and joy into your life. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The Word of God. All right, let's dive in. Five questions for us, folks. Um, we're becoming what we behold, and if we are beholding Jesus, there should be this transformation, this, this being transformed into one degree of glory to another should be taking place in our soul. Um, and Paul, just he models these five things just here to the church in Corinth, and we need to wrestle with these things. The first one is just is this, simple but profound, is Jesus and the gospel becoming our treasure? More and more. And folks, I, I, just, I just throw it out. When you watch maybe what's happening at Asbury and just throughout history is revival. At the core, it is people just wanting the presence of God more than anything. The way they worship and bring their being into worship, right, is, is it's just different. There's a zeal for it. It's not just going through the motion of singing songs there is a, a sense of wanting to be together in the presence of God. And we come to bring, as the word commands us, a sacrifice of praise right unto the Lord. And, and God moves in the midst of the praises of his people. And, and so part of reviving, right, personally and corporately, and then the overflow is, is that worship, true worship is restored to God's people, restored to his house it's not just road. It's not just ritual. It's not just emotionalism. It's a deep corporate longing, Lord. We want to meet you in this place. We want to give you glory. You are our treasure, and folks, that's just it. For right, our treasure, whatever we treasure most, it's going to get out. It's not kept secret, and it's going to have ramifications, right? For all of that, but I want to point something out here. Um, why do I say both Jesus and the gospel are becoming our treasure? Because you cannot separate those two. You cannot separate Jesus from the gospel. Many people today will say, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I follow Jesus. And then the question though, they cannot say that with honesty unless the gospel, right, is part of their treasure, unless the gospel is changing them, changing us, right? And... Um, the other flip side of that is we can't just get theological. Yes, I, I, I'm a Christian, and, and um, I know the gospel, and, and, and go uh, all theological and all Bible knowledge, just going through the routine of church without speaking of testimony, of encountering in a powerful way through the Spirit, Jesus himself. Right? We can't remove these. and We see the temptation, right? Right? Um, Throughout history and throughout time, and and typically what happens in the midst of renewal, personally as well as corporately and nationally, these two things come back together in a healthy, profound way. Jesus is seen again for who he is, the glorious Savior, and at the same time his gospel is brought alive. The fullness of what that gospel means, what he's done for us. Not just kind of, in our culture today, a therapeutic just, ah, Jesus loves me, he's forgiven me my sins. No, the gospel gets larger in the midst of revival. We get more overwhelmed by the magnitude of how much God loves us, what he's done for us, and what he wants to see happen through the power of his spirit um, inside our life. Um, So it begins here, is Jesus and the gospel, are they becoming our treasure? More and more our treasure. What we long to talk about and, um, and be consumed by. Um, and I don't know, we can all right, give testimony of just how easy it is to get distracted, right? To a thousand other treasures. Things that we value um, more than Him. And this is what Paul... It's just communicating to the church beyond a shadow of doubt. And he's getting ready to show and prove. It's one thing to say, yes, Jesus is my treasure. It's another thing to prove it. To show it in the sense of how we're living, worshiping, and everything else. Is the reality in my life that Jesus is my treasure? And for Paul, he goes on and he begins with this wonderful analogy. We have this treasure. It's in a jar of clay. So we know it's from him, it's not of us. In other words, just wipe away any self-righteousness. Wipe away any sense of of my worth of of making, um, appeasing God somehow, pleasing God in a way that I can be saved, right? Um, No, it's all his grace. It's this treasure of what God has done, his love for us. It just has to be received by faith, right? And invited in Jesus in, right? Where the Holy Spirit comes in and awakens our spirit. And so this is where it begins, and he goes on um, in this next powerful section. And here's what I want us to think about. In our lives, is, is there a growing? We know that we are beholding the glory of Jesus, and we are maturing, being transformed by the power of the Spirit. When there is greater and greater clarity in our life, of the struggles and reality of life. That there's a clear and clear understanding between the suffering that we suffer for Jesus and the sufferings that just come along with this world, this fallen world. Does that make sense? This is a really big deal. Because listen to these words. But this is how Paul describes to the church that he planted this. And Paul just goes through a litany of what he suffered, right, for the gospel. And um, these are not normal sufferings that we just encounter because we're in a fallen world uh, in our life, or things we suffer because we kind of did something. This is a consequence of something we did. It says we're afflicted in every way. We're not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, and not destroyed. Most likely, if you go to the book of Acts, you can find a specific thing that he's referring to. In Leicester, Paul went and preached the word of God. He was drug outside because of preaching the pure gospel. He was drug outside of town, and he was stoned to death. Go read it. The disciples came and surrounded him. They prayed for him. And he went back into the town. And he preached the gospel again and moved on to another town. He was struck down. But he wasn't destroyed. And he was shipwrecked. I mean, you go to at the end of this book, and there's just, he has a whole litany of things that he's done. He's telling the Corinthians, he's saying, listen, this is suffering that I'm pardoning with Jesus, picking up my cross daily, part of the calling that God has for me, so that life may come through this jar of clay and bring life to you and power to you. And for him, it was a very clear understanding between the things that he was suffering for the sake of the gospel versus the things that he was suffering just in normal, everyday life. And this is a really important thing for us to understand, especially in the culture we live in, right, we, where there's more time spent on self-relief from certain sufferings in this world versus in the church. What are we willing to do to get breakthrough for somebody else or for ourselves? Is there anything? Now, here's the reality. None of us are going to suffer like Paul. It was part of his calling. When Jesus saved him, he told, Paul says, I'm going to tell you how much you're going to have to suffer for my kingdom. It was a very personal aspect of what he was called to do to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to break all kinds of barriers. He was going to have to suffer to bring, to accomplish that mission. None of us will ever have that level of of suffering as part of our calling, most likely that God is going to you know say this is much how much persecution you 're going to have to do, but listen how Paul describes this, verse ten, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our body. What does he mean by that? Always carrying this treasure, the treasure of the death of my Lord, so for Paul, it was this treasure, always caring about. What his Lord did for him. He left heaven to come to be a man, to to fall, to, to, to go through all kinds of suffering, to bring the love of God so that he could be saved and reconciled back to God for eternity. In this jar of clay, in this fallen sinful state that he could have life and he saw that the key right the the key to this abundance the presence of Jesus's powerful life being manifested in his life was at the core understanding the gospel itself his identity who he was how God saw him how God loved him how God met him how God shined his light in him how God removed the veil so he could see right the glory of God now this moves into uh, the third question: Is there a willingness to serve and suffer for others, so they can experience the life of Christ, to behold Jesus in His presence, who He really is, what He's really done for us, should be moving us right in moves of radical love, right? Not just handouts. We're talking things that bring about a genuine suffering. For the sake of others. And this is what he says. Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Christ also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And folks, this is a really important thing. And this ties back to revival. When God renews our heart, right, for what God has done for us Right? It just brings alive the two greatest commandments, to love God with our heart and then to love others. And we are getting more and more consumed right, with the desire to love others and have others right, see Jesus for who he is. Or others get free from the things that are binding them up right, from the joy of living. And uh, if you went over to chapter 7 and verse 4, Paul says this, In all of our affliction I am overflowing with joy. Wow, in the midst of all this incredible, physical, harsh persecution for preaching the gospel, for trying to right, redeem people and get people connected to God, as Paul said, in the midst of all that, I'm still overflowing with joy. Even in the midst of all these things we just read about, being perplexed, being forsaken, being right um, struck down, on and on. He was overflowing with joy. He had a buoyancy of spirit in him. The Spirit of God was like a fire. And because Jesus was his treasure, he was willing to lay everything, including his life, down the line to accomplish the mission God gave to him, to bring the love of the gospel, the grace of Jesus, to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world, at whatever cost. Now again, none of us are going to suffer or have that kind of call put on our life, but what does it mean for us in our context? And I would just say this. Does anybody have anybody in your life who's struggling? emotionally. Does anybody have anybody in your life that's struggling with an addiction? Does anybody have somebody in your life that just that you, you, you want Jesus, you want them to see God, but they are running and captive to the things of the world. Their treasure that they're giving wholeheartedly into are the things of this world that are passing away. Does anybody have anybody like that in your life? And then what I know, and I could give you testimony um, to in my own life, Michelle's, and our own struggles, that when we get serious about doing the costly work of prayer and intercession for people, guess what? The Spirit of God, and calling other people into that, the Spirit of God comes in a powerful way and does knocks doors down, opens doors, brings healing, brings deliverance to people, and changes hearts. Anybody have a wayward child? It is, and the question of what Paul is telling the Corinthians that should be our lesson is, man, what am I willing to do out of love, out of the treasure of what God has done for me, what am I willing to do to get, to partner with God, to get breakthrough for other people's lives? Now here's another key of principle of revival. Folks, do you realize that all of what we've experienced, just sitting here in this church, Right? Um, Being able to worship where we worship is because of going back through the decades, the centuries, the millennia, is that men and women who sacrificed hours of sleep, money, everything else, their own livelihoods to pray and to intercede and to serve, that God's church would expound and move and His gospel would move out into other nations. How, How is the, what is the whole gospel itself? Is take this to all nations. Right? All we see the blessings when you travel anywhere is someone has suffered greatly for the cause of Christ so we might experience the life of Jesus today. Let me tell you how many people suffered to their very livelihood so that we have freedom in this country to worship God in this house tonight, this morning, is because they sacrificed and folks, it begins. This is where revival starts stirring is when I get overwhelmed and I start to restore that treasure of what Jesus meant. It busts out. And I want it for others. And I'm willing to get up early. I'm willing to meet with someone, pray with them. Whatever it is, I'm willing to lay a, a cost down. Remember, Jesus says, count the cost before you follow me. It's costly. But folks, what did, what did Paul say? This is, it's joy. Overflowing. This is where the abundant life is. The journey with God. And so I ask you this morning. Let's just start in our own lives. As, Man what am I. Is it a marriage? Are you struggling in your marriage? Have for intimacy? Spiritual intimacy? Spiritual oneness? What are you willing to do. Fathers. Husbands. Wives. To intercede and call God. Down. To do something powerful. And what about Church. How many people are willing to show up at prayer meeting today? And here's, here's just the proof of how this works. No revival's ever broke out. No, every spiritual blessing any of us have experienced have been on the backs of others who prayed all night, who showed up at prayer meeting when there's only five or three there to trust God. He's going to break in. He's going to make something happen. Right? He's going to make something happen. And I just asked you this morning, who's willing to pay a cost? Who's fed up with the way things are going and who wants more of God? Who wants to uh, heighten the treasure of who Jesus is and see something happen? And here's the reality. We have to step into that realizing we may never experience it. It might be for your children's generation. Folks, I don't know about you, but I had a grandmother, right, who I know was on her knees, who I got to meet right before she died, who interceded hours for our family. For the grace of God to break in and break ugly chains so that salvation could begin in our family. No one was in full-time minister in our family. No one. And there was a whole block of people coming, and not even into faith. It was dead. But somebody was willing in the quiet closet to go before the Father and to cry out, God, move! Move! And again, I... I May it be all generations, right, who do that. And so, folks, this one's been just hitting me square between the eyes. I could give you testimony, right, of of the labor involved, right, trusting God. And sometimes, right, remember what Jesus said. He says all through the, the gospel, what do you want? What do you want? And when the disciples ran into a, they couldn't heal. They ran into a wall. Jesus never said any of that. He never said, oh, sometimes, guys, you lose. Sometimes the wall's shut. The door's closed. He never says that anywhere. What does he say? More prayer. More fasting. More abiding in the love of the Father. More getting heavenly economy than a worldly economy. Right? It's available. It's just a question of do we want it, right? And So this one, uh, man. What are you willing? And, folks, this is, I, I don't, for me, this is the expression of real love. We have such a pathetic view of love today. When it comes to the church, though, love, the rubber meets the road to love in the spirit and truth, right? In the truth. And the truth is if, if I'm engaging with a family member, a, a child, a, a friend who's struggling, am I willing to love them? And do the work of trusting God with the promises of God, Lord. You break in, and I'm only willing to do that for my church, and for the church in this nation, folks. I'm just saying we don't. We yes, we need some serious political things to happen, but you know that's temporary. That'll go south quickly. That's of man. What we need is spiritual revival. We need God's people to stand up and intercede and see God do something great again, right, when it comes, but it begins with the church of God. It overflows from there to all the other aspects of the blessings that come as a result of God's people reviving again. Um, all right, let's go to number four. Is grace being extended to us being extended to others? And folks, in... String verse 13, he quotes Psalm, I think it's 116. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, church. So that as grace extends more and more to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, the extension of grace, God did not deposit grace and salvation in your life for it to stay right there. It's to extend. Um, and I have to ask myself, am I beholding the Jesus as my treasure? And is that grace, am I more and more overwhelmed about the grace of God? I did nothing to deserve this. I couldn't do anything to deserve this. And I don't know why, but God opened my eyes. He shined his light inside my heart. He took the veil away. He set me on a course, right, of eternal life with the promises, sure promises, right, to, to be with him. And so his grace that is, you have experienced, is it extending from your life to others? And folks, this is where we get real practical with the gospel in relationship. If God, if we're living, Jesus my treasure, that means in relationship is that I need to, what needs to define this relationship is the gospel. According to how Jesus loved me, what he did for me, Jesus commands, that's how I need to treat you. And so when things get sideways among ourselves, the question is, am I approaching this relationship? Am I treating this person according to the gospel? Because Jesus is real firm, right? He says, if you don't forgive others when I stand before my Father, I won't forgive you no more. What is he saying there? He's saying there's an expectation when we truly have experienced the gospel, right, to extend that grace right to others. And um, this is part of revival. Is the gospel is revived, right? And and there is repentance. There is there is a, a sense of coming back to uh, you can None of us can behold Jesus. None of us can say we really know Him if we don't have a sensitivity and a desire for holiness. To be like Him. In a real sense of looking in the mirror with a real sense of an x-ray vision of God, like, like David right? Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Is there anything in here that, doesn't, that needs to get cleaned out? Because of the grace of God. And then that changes, that allows us to be vessels of love more and more and to be able to apply the gospel in ministry to others in a much more profound way. All right. Fifth question folks, this one, I think this one kind of sums it all up in many different ways. Is our inner self becoming more alive as our outer self is wasting away? Is there life? Can you give a sense of life? Like Paul says, man, in the midst of all these afflictions, I'm overflowing with joy. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, man, even in the midst of kind of blessed, right, Matthew 5, when you're reviled for my namesake. Count it blessed when you are persecuted for my namesake. Paul's able to say, I'm overflowing with joy. Jesus says there will be streams of living water that flow out of your being as a result of making a stand for him. And this is a huge aspect of revival because I cannot claim Jesus as my treasure if I'm not willing to make a stand in a culture that rejects The word of God, Jesus' word, the gospel, and everything else. But it's not a, it's not a picketing, right? It's not a political thing, right? It's a radical love. It's one out of, of grace. Jesus is my treasure. And, and, and I I love you so much to not deny the truth as I speak to you. There's something far better. God's love for you is far better than what you are experiencing out there. And I want that for you. That's a radical turn from what we've seen. And again, I don't have to talk about just our very excessive individualism today. Our, our self at the center, right, is um, so much of our problem. It's in it's crept into the church, right, where our inner self is just weak. It's torn. It's fractured. It's, it's everything else. And uh, for the believer to behold Jesus, there should be this mo- consistent moving forward of a strengthening on the inside even as our outside, the hair goes gray and the body starts to weaken, is there should be a vibrancy, folks. A growing sense of the gospel, this treasure. It should be like a, a, a flame in Luke 24, a burning in our hearts for who Jesus is. What is awaiting us in a greater sense of, of, of doing what Paul did. His Lord, whatever. I'm going to love people, and I don't, you know, not worried about the reviling because it's coming, folks. I I hope you see that, right? We live in a world in a in a country that, um, if anything proves the truth of Christianity, it should just be that you can say anything out there, you can believe anything out there, and be, you know, celebrated, except Jesus, His name, and the gospel. It just proves it proves the power of the name above all names. Right? It proves it. And the question is, is he our treasure? And I just, I just give this last one to you to think about. And uh, I'm uh, moving on into the, uh, those, those later years. And, and my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer, I hope it's our church's prayer. And I hope, and as a matter of fact, hold me accountable to this. As I'm moving into my 60th year, hold me accountable to this, is I want to live my later years, however long I have, right, more vibrant than my earlier years. Yeah. I want to be a tool of revival. I don't care how great, I don't care how slow I end up walking. I don't care what happens to this physical body, Is but you need to hold me accountable that there is a fire in here of the treasure of Jesus, no matter what happens out here, is that I'm not letting all the young people go out and, and have a cost and have revival. I want to be right in the middle of it, yeah. right? And if there's a cost that needs to be given in this town, I need to be at the front of it. the front of it. You hold me accountable to that. Because if this treasure is truly my treasure, is the older I get, the more years God gives me, is that the reality is you should see a zeal. You should see a greater joy. You should see, regardless of what happens physically here, you should see a greater passion right, for the kingdom and for the things of God and a greater love for you to have that same thing. As we move forward. And my prayer in this whole thing is. is Lord please not just on college campuses. Let's let the old farts come alive. I mean we're closer to heaven gang. I just don't get it. But isn't it true. As the outer gets aging. We get tired. We get achy. We, get, we start playing it safe. The world crashes in on us folks. What I'm saying to you is older and bolder is the call on my life and you can hold me accountable to it is man as we get closer that beholding we're older we should we should be more vibrant in the sense that we've had more time to behold the face of Jesus but I, can, I I think I can relate we all relate right that man life has a way of just kind of right and just our culture right we get we get our eyes off the treasure of Jesus on the treasures of Everything you have to think about when you get older. Folks, Jesus said this. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what did He say? Everything else will be taken care of. Do you believe that? Yes. I'm going to talk to the old folks in here. Do you believe that? Is that how we're living? I'm just saying in this church, let's go. Let's go. Old folks, we've got to lead the way here. Right? And take that as a truth. We're becoming what we behold. May we behold the face of Jesus, right? Um, and so gang, if y'all, you know, Becky, y'all come on up and um, lead us in the last song. And folks, just before we come to the table, um, let's just take some time um, to individually just respond to the word. What, what This is God's word. And uh, Jesus, right, he gives this pretty powerful thing, doesn't he? That uh, the word of God is like a seed. And for each of us have to this morning have to say, man, where, where's my heart? How is that seed hitting on my heart? Is it going to bear fruit? Or am I just going to walk out that door and just get wrapped up with all the treasures of the world rather than the key treasure, right? Um, so, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And, um, Lord, forgive me for... Lord, my lack of being able to truly communicate the glory, the treasure we have in you, Lord. Lord, Spirit, come. We have time this morning. We don't have to uh, get out of here quick because of the parenting classes on break this weekend. Um, Lord, I just want to be with you. Holy Spirit, I just ask you, you come in this place. Meet us where we're at, God. Shake us up, God. Overwhelm us with your glory. Now come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.